This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. We doing all right? Great. Again, again, it's always this side. Like, I don't know what it is. It's always this side that has any interaction and activity. Um, yeah, yeah, well, we got this. It's good. This is good. Yeah. Okay. Carson and I were talking beforehand how we both wish that we could draw better, like what's in our head. Stick figures is the best I got. Like that's, that's what we're gonna get, but I think it gets the job done. That, that works. So, um, man, I really enjoy shoes. My, my go-to shoes right now are my Nike Kill Shots. I thought I'd bring these up so everybody could see. Um, what? what? They were on my feet, but, but you can't see. For anyone at home, hey there, watching online, you can't see them. So I figured I would just put them on here and then, then I'll put them back on my feet. Um, but my Nike, these are my favorite. They're, they're, good, they're a good, all, you know, just kind of go-to shoe. You can dress them up, right? You can wear them on a date or you can dress them down, throw on some shorts, casual t-shirt. Um, I got another pair as well that are dirty and gross. Um, but these are my favorite shoes are my, my Nike Kill Shots. Uh, there, there's, a, there's one with like a green, kind of hunter green. No, no, Kelly green check. Um, got my eye on those. And there's one with burnt orange, but who would want burnt orange? Um, a maroon maybe. But uh, before, before my kill shots, I was sporting these vans. Um, they're gray. I like gray. I don't know. I feel like my favorite color is gray because I feel like you can get a lot of variations of gray, like a bluish gray, a greenish gray, like a dark gray. I don't know why, but I like gray. Um, so before, before my kill shots, I wore these a lot, um, but, but then I, Stephanie bought me these once, and I was like, I really like those, so I stopped wearing those as much, got rid of those. When it comes to workout shoes, um, right now, I'm all about the no bulls, yep, uh, the no bull trainers, uh, the, these, are, these are great shoes, um, I really enjoy them. Um, before that, I was going with the, the Nike Metcons, but these are, okay, I hate running. Anybody else hate running? Man, yes, come on. It's the worst. I just despise it. And with these, it's like you got a piece of wood down here. It's, they're so firm. I didn't like it at all. Um, but the, these are a little, have a little more give to them. So once I found the no bulls, I was like, Psh, get rid of the Metcons. You know, and now I, li- I like these a whole lot more. Um, so, so for workout, I go with those. When it's winter time, you're going to find me in my slips. Like when I get home, and it's cold, I'm throwing on my slips all the time. Um, I, love, I love me some good slips. But you gotta keep socks on eventually because once your feet start sweating, whew, these things get nasty. Um, but, but that's only when it's cold. Right now, like summer, you don't, you don't put slippers on because that's brutal, like you're gonna die. Um, but that's what I like in the, in the winter. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I, I pick my shoes based on what I like. Like, I, I, these are comfortable, they look good, they're, they're practical. Um, I, I really approach shoes based on what they provide for me. Um, I, I just, what they give to me. Um, and so if I don't like them, I, I, I get rid of them. If I find a new or better pair, you know, something that I, that I enjoy more, I'm like, all right, cool, I'll move on to those. Um, I, I, I am a consumer. Like, that's what I do with my shoes. I'm, I'm a consumer, and that's great for, for shoes, right? That's what we should do with shoes. Um, that doesn't work so well with people, right? When it comes to people, if I'm like, man, I'm really digging this, these people right now, eh, maybe not so much, and I just move on to the next pair, the next person, 
right? That's, that's gonna go real bad real fast. A, I'll never, I'll never have a long-lasting relationship because come on, let's be honest, people are messy. Man, they're messy and they bring baggage to the table. And then when you're with them long enough, you're like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? Like, I don't know, apparently I was raised this way. Like, there's just baggage you didn't even know existed, you know? And so if I'm looking at people and I'm like, man, I don't really like this person anymore, and I just move on to the next, well, that's going to be my, my life. That's part of the, the problem with marriages in many ways, right? Is we're like, shoot, this is not what I signed up for. And then we move on to someone else thinking like, that's gonna work. And in reality, there's gonna come the day when that new person is like, dang, the new car smell kind of wore off here too, you know? And so if we treat people as consumers, what do I get out of this? Like, how do you please me? I like you right now, so I'm in. I don't like you. This is uncomfortable, so I'm out. Right, that's gonna, that's gonna end in major dysfunction for all of us. There will be zero long-lasting human relationships, right? Zero. So we, we, we can't treat people just like, I'm a consumer. I'm just here to get out of it, and if I don't like it anymore, I move on, or, or whatever. That's gonna create toxic relationships and dysfunction. And it's also the same with the church. Because the church is not just, it's not a building at all. The church is people. The, the church are, are people. And if, and if we approach the church as, as consumers, what do I get out of this? Is this meeting my needs? How does this please and, and preference me? A, the day is going to come. Like if this is your church home, and you're like, oh my gosh, I love Austin life. Everything is perfect. The day's gonna come when you're like, hey, I don't know. <laughs> Might be something better down the street. You know, the, the, you know, you may feel great now, but the day's gonna come you're like, oh gosh, I can just lay in bed and pull up the YouTube, you know? Start listening to the sermon. I don't like this topic. Let me go find another one, right? And we, we're never gonna have a long-lasting relationship with the church. We're gonna, we're gonna create toxic and dysfunctional relationships. It's going to be negative. Not only for the church, but, but for us. And my concern in many ways for our culture, we live in a consumeristic culture. Everything is marketing and advertising and catering to, to meet your desires and preferences and needs. And when it no longer serves you, move on to the next thing. When your Nike Metcons are no good, great. Move on to your Noble, that's fine. You know, when, when this person is no good, okay, cool. Serve it its purpose, move on to the next one, right? When this job is hard and uncomfortable, okay, well, there's grass is greener over there. My favorite thing Jess Smith ever said, if you ever knew Jess, he was like, man, we always think the grass is greener, but there's poop in that pasture too. <laughs> He's right. You just don't see it until you get there and you go, oh, shoot, yeah, it ain't so green like I thought. And when we, when we treat churches like that, which, which, gosh, we treat churches like that, it's, it's never good for us, it's not best for us, and it's, it's killing churches. As a consumer, we're consuming from someone or something. When we go to churches, if we have a consumer mentality, someone is pouring out and we're consuming. And if we're never contributing and giving back, we're just gonna suck them dry. It's kinda like mosquitoes. It's not good for anybody. Mosquitoes are just, I mean, it's a lose-lose everywhere around. 
right? It's, it's, it's unhealthy. And I see it so much with, with churches. Something new comes along. The, the shine and luster has kind of lost it here. Well, let's go check that one out. It's shiny, it's new, it's fun. There's a buzz happening. This one's no longer meeting our preferences, right? Like, I, I mean, I really want this. I want more of that. Okay, well, that one probably has my preferences. And so we go over there only to find that that one's lacking these preferences. Because that's, that's how human relationships work. Things get uncomfortable and hard, right? Someone has a tough conversation, challenges. The preacher preaches too long. The music wasn't engaging enough. And so we're like, I mean, let's just, let's just move on to something else. We approach it as, man, what can I get out of this? How can I be filled up? How can I be fed? And, and we have to realize that if that's all we're doing, we're just consuming and it's going to run the church dry. From the very beginning in Genesis, God creates humanity before sin ever enters the world and breaks it and he gives them a command to go into work, to go into contribute to the good of the world, to the good of humanity, to the good of God's kingdom. Adam and Eve, even before sin entered the world, were never commanded to just passively sit back and consume. They were created to contribute, to give out, to put forth into the world and into the lives of others and ultimately into expanding God's kingdom. If God's good design includes that, we're only doing ourselves and other damage if we're going through life as, as passive consumers. We're created to be contributors. And let me, let me just own up front and apologize from myself. And, and I mean, as churches, we've become so, I've become so focused on, on growing and, and getting there that, that I start to treat people as consumers. Let me give you what you like so hopefully you'll stay. Let, let, me, let me figure out what you really prefer so hopefully you'll come back. And that's not a bad thing, but if that's how I treat people, I'm only doing a disservice to you. If I'm just trying to, to let you be a consumer, yeah, you may come back and this space may grow, but spiritually, I'm not, I'm not leading you in God's design for you. And, and so my, like I, my sincere apologies for the times that I've done that and I've had that mentality in that heart, it's, it's, it's not best. It's, it's, not, it's not good. When we operate as passive consumers with people within the church, it's destructive to yourself and to others. And God's created us for more and created us for better. So I wanna look at two passages today that really address this. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians 4. So we'll kind of go back and forth. Um, they're very similar um, passages, but I, I really couldn't lock down on one. I was like, all right, let's do both. Like, let's just kind of overlap them both. And so 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4. And let me give a preface to this as you're turning there. So both are near the back of the Bible. Table of contents is in the front. Don't be afraid to use your table of contents. Um, if you have a phone, obviously you just do that number and you find it. But these letters are written to churches, the church in Corinth, the church in Ephesus. They're written to Christians. 
And so if you're here today, if you're listening and you're not a Christian, that's okay. I mean, I hope it doesn't stay there, but it's okay for that to be where you are right now. It's okay that you're here. Gosh, I love that you're here. I love that you are listening. You are welcome to be here and to ask questions. You don't need to be somewhere you're not. Like, you've got to start where you are. That's great. And so these, these were written to Christians, and so this will give you insight into, okay, if I'm going to trust Christ, this is in part what that means. We don't get to trust Christ and like take parts of it and not others. This is in part what it means to follow Jesus and to trust Christ. And so this will give you some insight into, okay, what does it mean and why would I want to? If you are a Christian and you're just checking churches out, I get it. I've been there too. When my wife and I moved to Fort Worth, we would go to two churches every Sunday. One in the morning that we were checking out and trying to find a church home, and the other one that we knew we weren't going to go to long term, but the, the teaching and everything was solid. And so we wanted something um, that we could like, actually engage with and know that we could trust. And so for a long time, we were hitting two churches every Sunday trying to find that church home. And so that's, that's okay. God is placing us in a church. But, but when you find that church, whether it's here or somewhere else, do not be a passive consumer be an active contributor to that church family and to that body. Look for that church where you can step in and you can contribute because if you don't contribute, you'll never walk as God intended you to walk. You, you'll never be who God designed you to be. So find a place that you can contribute. And if you are a member here, be an active contributor. Be an active contributor. And if, you, if you're doing this well, which, gosh, many of you are. This is not a guilt trip. This is not like, oh, man, I need to do more of this, right? This is, be affirmed. Be encouraged with what you're doing in obedience. And, and, and just let God affirm you in this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. Let's start in 1 Corinthians 12. Verses 12 and 13. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Jump over to Ephesians 4. We're gonna see very similar language. Verse one. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Now you hear that word one a lot. When, you're, when we're reading the Bible and we see a repeated word, that's a good, it's a good tactic to go, okay, this, this matters. There's a theme here, right? And so we see this theme in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 that when we trust Christ, it's not just that we are united with God, but we are united with every other Christian as one body. We are supernaturally united together as one body. When we trust Christ, we don't, we don't come before God and be like, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. And then he gives us our, great, here's your options. 
Option one is you can do life on your own and you can go out that way. That's, that's one option. Option two is you can be a part of a church. You can be a part of the, the family of God. So if you haven't trusted Christ yet, those options don't exist. Just giving you the heads up. If we have trusted Christ, we have been brought into the family of God. It's not optional. It's not something that we, we step in or out of. We are a part of the family. Right, my, my kids are my kids. I am their dad, whether they want to claim me or not. Right, Michaela, I'm your dad. You don't, you don't get an option. Sorry, sweetie. Right, like, because, because my DNA is in her. My blood flows through her veins. You're, you're not going to be like, oh, let me remove the part of you that's your dad. You know, like, that's impossible. When we trust Christ, the one spirit of God comes and lives in us. The same spirit of God that is in me is in Charlie, is in Gabriel, is in Marie, right? So we are united as a family by the one spirit of God that flows inside each one of us. She doesn't get the option to not be my daughter. I don't get the option to not be her dad because biologically we're united. As a Christian, spiritually, we are united. We don't get the option to not be a part of the family of God. He does that for us. For all of eternity, we are a part of the family of God. And there's a reason. There's a purpose that God has for us in that. Go back to Ephesians 4, verse 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes." Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Stephanie always tells me I have run-on sentences. I'll be like, dude, look at Paul. My good gracious, throw a period in there every now and again, man. What Paul is saying here is that we are brought into a family and we are all moving towards the same purpose. Look back in verse 13, we see it there, right? To the unity of the faith. We see it at the end of verse 13. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Your purpose and my purpose and our purpose together is to become like Jesus, is to grow into the image of Jesus, is to look more and more and more and more like Jesus and God has determined that we do that best together. That it's not good for us to be alone and the best way for us to become like Jesus is to do that together. Why are we trying to be like Jesus, you ask? I'm glad you asked, thank you. We'll re return back to this diagram that we have used countless times. 
For all of eternity, God has existed. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God who exists communally in three persons. One God united as one, but exists communally as three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So when God told Adam, hey, it is not good that you're alone, it's not because Adam was like, man, I'm so lonely. What am I gonna do? Adam had the presence of God with him. Like he was good, he wasn't lonely. It's that Adam could not reflect the image of a communal God when he didn't have anybody to communally be with. And so God says, you're never gonna fulfill your purpose if you're alone. You're always gonna be stumbling and bumbling through life unless you have real community. So we're created in the image of a communal God, therefore we have to have community. And so God created us to enjoy his fullness of life. God didn't need us. God wasn't waiting for you to be born so that he can finally be happy. He created us so that we could share in his divine love and community and fellowship, the fullness of life. Well, the Bible says just like Adam and Eve did, you and I have all done and we've all walked away from God. We've all separated ourselves from his presence. How? By sinning. By, by rebelling against God. God is holy and perfect. We can't be in his presence if we are not holy and perfect. He then loses his holiness. We have to be holy and perfect. So when we sin, when we reject God, we are separated spiritually from God. We're separated from the fullness of life, our purpose for being, to be in his presence. And so God in love sends Jesus to fix what we broke. Sends Jesus to come and live the holy life that we should have lived. And then Jesus dies on the cross to suffer for our sins. And he says, when you have faith in me and when you repent, they go hand in hand. When you trust me and you turn away from going your own way and instead turn and trust me, I will restore you back into a relationship with God himself. Restore you into that divine communion that you were created for. This is huge for us. This is the ultimate question we have for life. Why are we here? What are we going for? We are here to reflect God, to be in his presence. We broke that. Jesus came to fix what we broke. And when we trust him and turn back to him, he restores us into his presence. And now, when we become like Jesus, the son, we increasingly grow more and more and more and more and more into his presence. We know him more, we encounter him more, we experience him more. And so our purpose is to trust Christ and to follow him and become like him, not because God is needy from us, not because he's lacking something, but because he's gifted us life in Jesus. He wants the best for us. God is for you. And that is found in becoming like Jesus. So that is our goal, that's our aim in life. And God says, hey, that's gonna best happen together when you're not alone because you can't reflect a communal God when you're alone. We can't fulfill our purpose when we're alone. And so it's necessary that we are a part of the family of God. 
Because that command's not just for marriage. Jesus was single. He didn't mess up. It's to be united with the family of God. To be brought into real community. And so it's necessary. And then we see that it's necessary because we've got a, we've got a part to play. It's detrimental when we're isolated. Right? So go back to 1 Corinthians 12. For the body does not, this is verse 14, the body does not consist of one member but of many. Right? So that's spiritually the church body, the family of God does not consist of one person, one member, but many. And then Paul gives us the very tangible connection to a human body. Right? If the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body. God arranged the members in the body. Yes, human physical body, also spiritual human body. God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. When you trust Christ, you're brought into the family of God, and it is essential that you are committed and united within a local church, the representation of the body of God on earth. It is essential that you are united with a local body. If Mark comes up here, I'm like, hey Mark, I need you to put your hand up on the table. Your, your hand was talking to me and it no longer wants to be a part of your body. Like it thinks that it's gonna be better on its own. So just go ahead and put it up here. I got an ax. Just, I'll be right back. And we'll go ahead and give your hand what it wants. Separation from the body. That's gonna be okay, right, Mark? Eh, you know, probably not, right? Like Mark's thinking, that's gonna hurt. That's gonna go poorly for me. The, my hand doesn't know what it's talking about. It, it doesn't wanna be separate. It doesn't understand. And Paul's like, bingo. You got it. That's it. That's it. It's the same way with the church. If we're like, I don't want to be a part of a church, I can do church on my own at home on the computer. Paul's like, no, you're like a hand that wants to be separated from the body. That doesn't make any sense. It's not good for the body. It's not good for your hand. Like, come on. You're like, I don't, I don't really want to commit somewhere. I want to bounce around and do all over. Paul's like, no, you're, that's like a foot. It's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a part. I'm going to do my own thing. It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. That's not how God designed us. And so wherever you are in your journey, if you've trusted Christ, you are a part of the family. Don't try to be a hand wandering off on its own. Unite to the body of Christ. Be a part of a local church. Be a part of a local church. Commit to it. Man, sometimes I just, like my leg is achy. I don't know if it's because I'm getting old. Like I'm in my late 30s now, officially late 30s. Like 37, I was like, ah, that's still arguably like mid-30s. Did you just, like, was that an audible laugh out loud? What? Oh, okay, okay, cool, cool. I, I, it's like, man, but once you hit 38, it's like, I can't even argue mid-30s anymore. Like, that's late 30s. I'm like, I, I think I might have restless leg syndrome. Anybody ever heard of that? Okay, well, I'm not the only one. And I was like, I just need to like shake my leg. It's kind of achy right now. Like, what is happening to me? All the time, like, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, 
literally, I get out of bed and I'm walking like this. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm okay, I'm okay. Last night, oh, this was not in the notes. Last night, I got up to go to the bathroom because apparently you can't make it through night anymore without going to the bathroom. And it's, I'm just so out of it. I walked straight into the wall right here. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, it's just, I, it's just you know, I'm, okay, where was I? What happened here? Bring it back in, Corey. Um, body separated, old. I really completely, <laughs> totally lost track. Okay. <laughs> be a part of a church body. There you go. Let's, let's just bring it all the way back around. I totally lost track there. Be a part of a church body. We're not created to be isolated. We're not designed to spiritually be separated. And then, and then I want to shift to this part. Don't just be a passive member of a church body, but be an active contributor. Don't just be a passive consumer of a church body, but be an active contributor to the church body. Again, right, if my leg is like, hey, I'm done, like I'm not gonna work anymore, and it just goes like, like, it just goes limp, then my whole body's gonna suffer. It's still attached to me, but now I'm just dragging around this dead weight, right? That doesn't work. I need my leg to function so that I can function as I'm intended to function. Don't, don't, be a dead, don't be a dead leg in your church, right? Where, where, where everybody else is just dragging you along. You're a part of the body. Be united. Be an active contributor, right? That's what Paul is saying, right? Verse 21 of chapter 12. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, nor again the hand to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, Right, like you are indispensable to the church family that you are a part of. You are indispensable. You, you matter. I think sometimes we're like, I don't really have anything to contribute, right? I'm just, I'm just an elbow or whatever. I'm just, right, I'm just a kneecap. I, I don't know what it is that, that you may think or that God, but God has created you unique and you are indispensable to the church family that you are a part of. And jump over back to Ephesians 4 and let me tell you this, last thing. Verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, love this phrase, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You, you may be like this, I don't, I don't wanna be at this church. That's fine. If you are a Christian, we don't get the option to say, hey, I'm gonna go out on my own and do my own thing. We are spiritually united to the family of God. It is obedient to be a part of his local body. That's the local church, the church of Ephesus, the church of Corinth, Austin Life Church. Whatever church home it is, we are called by God to be a part and you have an active role to play. And only when you are playing that active role and I am playing my active role and Charlie is his playing his active role, only when we are all playing our active role makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
when every member and every joint is working together properly, actively contributing to the church, it makes the body grow in love. You've been uniquely wired and gifted to be a part of God's body and his family. And you have a role to play in building up that church to be all that God intended it to be. And it's for your benefit as well. It's for your good. And let me, let me say, let me say a couple things that I think can help, just help us self-reflect and, and decide for ourselves if we're being more of a consumer or a contributor. If, if you're serving and doing all these good things outside of your local church, so much so that you can't serve your local church, you've got it backwards. Those things are good, right? Those are great. Fostering hope is great. But we serve our local church first, and then through our local church, we serve other places. We are an over-committed, chock-full, busy people. Uh, to, our, to our college students, most of them are gone for the summer, but, but if you're listening, if you're so involved in parachurch ministries that you can't be involved in your church, hear me lovingly say that is not God's design. His call is for you to first be committed to your church body and then to serve beyond that how you can. It's God's design for you. If you ask first and foremost, what can I get out of this versus what can I give into this? That's a, a consumer versus a contributor mentality. If your thought for worship service is, man, what am I gonna get out of this today versus what am I going to give to God today? What am I gonna give to my family today? That's probably more a consumer mentality than a contributor mentality. It's okay to be filled up, right? It's okay to, to benefit and be fed, right? As, as an elder of this church, I have a responsibility to shepherd and lead and feed the church. That's important, but if your personal mentality is what am I gonna get out of this more than what am I gonna give into it? If your purpose of community group is first, what am I getting out of this versus what am I giving into these people? If your mentality for discipleship group is what am I getting out of this versus what am I giving into it, the day is gonna come when you're not getting anything out of it. It's just gonna happen. And if that's our focus, then we're out. We bounce and we move on. And, and we have to start over and and people and things suffer from that. If you're a part of a church and you're thinking, man, the biggest problem with my church is just, it's the preaching. It's not deep enough. It's too long. Like he takes his shoes off. It's weird. Maybe. If you're thinking the biggest problem is the music, it's just, it's, it's not like, I need more like, more rock kicks or something. You know, we don't have like smoke and laser beams, right? Like Charlie doesn't like ascend from a 
platform. I don't know of any churches that do that, by the way. That's, that's, that's hyperbole, right? But if it's just like, man, that's the biggest problem is we're lacking that. The biggest problem is we don't do enough outreach. We, uh, I did a marriage study. Stephanie and I did a marriage study recently and one of the chapters, the first line was a quote that said, the biggest problem in my marriage is me. I think it's true of the church too. If we are looking outward and say the biggest problem is that, this, that, someone else, and we're not starting here, we're always gonna find ourselves a little bit higher than everybody else and nothing will be good enough. But if we focus on me, if I take care of myself before the Lord first, I have a strong feeling the rest will kind of take care of itself. So consumer contributor, where's your mind? What's the biggest problem? Some of these things may be true. The music, the preaching, the outreach, the hospitality, the kids, yada, yada. Those things may be true as things that can grow. And if, if your mentality is, man, how are they going to make this better? Versus how am I going to make this better? Then, then that's probably a consumer mentality versus a contributor mentality. Here's the deal. We as a church, we have gaps and holes. Man, we need more kids volunteers badly. We got babies coming all over the place. It's great, I love it, yeah. But we need more kids volunteers. We, we need help with fostering hope, right? We, we said, hey, we're gonna be babysitters for fostering parents because you can't babysit foster kids unless you're licensed. Licensed, is that the right word? Unless you're certified, certified, that's it. Unless you're certified with the state. So a foster parent can't just be like, hey, date night, let's get a babysitter. No, they have a very small pool of people that they can get a babysitter for. And so we were like, you know what? Let's be honest. We're a younger church. We're a more single church. Let me just be candid. The greatest resource I think we have, time. I know that we're busy, but we're busy with things that we want to do by and large, right? We have time. We can babysit so that these parents who desperately need a date night, we'll go get certified so you can go out. And so we as a church, we were like, hey, we're gonna do this. And then it kind of went, and there's, there's no one. And so if we're looking at it and we're going like, man, we need more service opportunities. They need to provide more service opportunities. The, the question needs to first be, what am I going to do to resolve this? Look, we need more older people. We need more married families because it rounds us out, gives us stability. But you can't just like put an ad out in the paper. I don't even think there are papers anymore. If there are, nobody reads them, right? So more so than saying like, man, what are they gonna do about this? I wanna ask you, what are you going to do about this? How are you going to commit to praying for this? Who are you going to invite into this? Yes, there are gaps and, and deficiencies here in this church and there always will be. And the next church we go to, guess what? Gaps and deficiencies always will be. God has called you to play a role. And so if your first question is, what are they going to do about this? I wanna encourage you to shift that and say, what am I going to do about this? It's a shift from consumer to contributor. And it may not be you. Look, I don't have any business with kids. I like mine. Outside of that, man, you know, 
I'm just kidding, I love all y'all's kids for, for those of you who have kids. But it's just like, that's not, that's not at all where I need to be. It's just not. But I can certainly fill in a gap until, or I can ask other people, hey, you seem to be really good with kids. What would you think about helping with our kids? Like, let me encourage you, let me encourage you, let me encourage you. This, if this is your church home, this is your church home. It is not mine or Charlie's or Mike's or Steven's only. We're just members like you. We just have different roles within the family. Grab the ownership, take it. It's your church home, your church family. And then when you do, when you do grab that ownership and take it, follow through. Follow through with it. If you say you're gonna be there, be there. And if for some reason you can't, take the initiative to find someone who can take your place. Because when we say, man, I'm gonna be there for, for media. I just looked at Mike. I'm gonna be there for media. And then if we don't show up, somebody is picking up that slack, right? Somebody is now carrying that weight. You are created to have a role in a church. You are uniquely designed to build the body up. Take that ownership. Take that leadership. Take that, that opportunity and then follow through on it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then, oh my gosh, then Ephesians 4 tells us the body will grow and be built up in love. So let me just encourage you to be a contributor and not a consumer. As we, as we conclude and wrap up, I just want to point us back to the gospel. How do we change? It's so stinking easy for us to be like, all right, man, let me roll my sleeves up. Let me get to work. Let me do more. Let me do more. Let me do more. Let me do more, right? And, and, and we're just going to find ourselves worn down and burnt out. So how do we make the right change? Humble repentance, right? Start with humility, Oh, let's get the log out of our own eye before we start pointing the finger at someone else. We all got plenty of trees in our eyes. Let's start there. Let's confess and own our own mistakes, our own shortcomings, our own consumer mentality. We're all there, come on. It's okay, this is, this is even ground. We all got this. Let's own it. Let's confess that. Let's repent. Let's turn and proactively go the other way. And we do that as we look to Jesus. As we remind ourselves that I am not my own, but I've been bought with the price of Jesus. I've been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus that washes away my sins. I am not my own, I'm bought with the price and that is what compels me to humble repentance. If we're having a, a problem with humble repentance, it's because we're having a problem with our position and our view of the gospel. Because the gospel tells me I am the biggest sinner I know. And yet Jesus loves me and came for me. That frees me up to humility and repentance. That's how we're gonna be the church that God intends us to be. That's how our hearts are gonna shift from consumer to contributor and we all struggle there. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.